Hey, this is the Bring Your Own Awesome miniseries, where we talk to cool people who are doing awesome things. I'm Dan Waldschmidt, fearless leader of the Edgy Empire, and with me is my co-conspirator, Brock. Yeah, I'm Brock Edwards, and on Bring Your Own Awesome, we interview members of the community. We have a no-holds-barred conversation about their battle for success. So if you want to achieve a new level of success, join us at www.edgy.life. Let's get started. Hey guys, it's Dan Walchmidt, and with me is Brock. Good morning, Brock. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Doing fantastic and excited because we've got Ashley Jankowski with us. Good morning, Ashley. Good morning. How are things in your corner of the world? They are unbelievable. Absolutely. Just awesome. Nice. So for for those of us in the community, uh, I'm imagining there's only a few who don't know who you are, but tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do. So I am a wife of 14 years at the end of this month, a mother of an amazing nine-year-old little boy, and I am the general manager for a freight brokerage here in town. So we match the shippers of the world up with the drivers of the world and then do everything in between for transportation. On the side, I am a financial coach and I help people learn how to manage and be successful with their money. So, so those two. Jump in. Go ahead, Dan. Jump in. Jump in. All right. So I. We're probably going to ask about the same question here, Dan. So, you know, those are two very different things. And, uh, you know, the uh, freight business sounds like a very necessary, but perhaps uh, not very sexy kind of thing. Um, So, so we'll we'll get to the financial planning thing, but I'm I'm curious, what, what is it that fires you up about the logistics business? Oh, gosh. Being in transportation, it is such a necessary industry and there's so much that transportation touches that people don't realize. And for me being on the logistics side of it, it's always a challenge every day. It's something different. We don't own trucks. So we're battling markets with drivers. I, the assets are my people or my assets are our people. And so I get to spend my day leading people, teaching people, helping problem solve and bring solutions to the shippers, the manufacturers, the people who are out there making the goods and the in full circle of what transportation encompasses with the challenges and being able to do just about anything I want to do is really what intrigues me about transportation and being on the logistics. Because you That's not enough for you because then you go home and you do financial planning. Yeah, because then I get to help other people. <laughs> well, awesome. So, yeah. So, uh, so what is it about financial planning then? Because those are different problems. Those are different challenges. Mm-hmm. So my husband and I, we got married very young. And we went through a tough time financially just understanding what it meant to be an adult in the society. I came from a background where financial education was completely non-existent. Um, 
alongside many other things, but financially that makes a huge impact when you don't have knowledge of it. My husband came with very little knowledge financially. And so we, at the ages of 19 years old, when we got married or 20 years old, when we got married, went through the seasons like society puts you, you know, you go into debt, you buy a house you can't afford, you get credit cards up the wazoo because everybody wants to give everybody money because they know they're going to make a dime. And we got ourselves in deeper than we would have liked and ended up having to crawl out of that hole. So the struggle that we went through learning how to budget, learning how to manage debt, learning how to win with money and actually understand what that meant was such an empowering part of my life because I finally (laughs) got to take control and actually learn what that meant and how it affected my life and my family. And so I have control issues. I mean, most awesome people do. (laughs) And uh, so that was a part of my life that I just didn't have control over. And so as I learned how to take control and how I learned how to be better in our finances and my husband right alongside with me, it became such an embedded part of who I am. And I wanted to share that. I just have a knack for helping people and wanting to teach people. And so falling in line with other great people who teach how to win with money, it really just was a good fit. And so I went through the courses and got certified to do that because I can't sit still and working all day just wasn't enough. I wanted more and started that on the side. And it has really been an amazing, amazing adventure for me because giving people that empowerment and instilling hope that you don't have to be where you are today, like this isn't the end. And instilling that hope that they can get to the future in whatever avenue that means, it's amazing. Financial freedom is amazing. And so that's why I do that one. So I feel like we're going to make a hard right turn here, Brock, as we often do. Uh, Ashley, I wanted to talk to you about your, you know, your friendship with Carter Cast, you know, you know CEO of Walmart.com and you know, how you were able to connect him to the empire. I have all these questions for you, but now you brought up the finance thing. And I want to just go down that path a little bit with you because I imagine it is something that impacts every single person in this community. Um, Every single person and and all the ones who aren't in this, this community as well. So you're 1920, you get into this mess. How long did it take you to realize before, uh, that you were in a mess, in a hole, like this, this was a problem and it wasn't going to be easy to fix. Was it two years, a couple months? What, 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 how long did that take you to realize we need to fix this? So we got married at the age of 20, paid for a wedding ourselves. And in the nineties, you, you don't have cheap weddings. I mean, I guess it's, it was cheaper than it is today, but so we went into some debt for our wedding, which was stupid. So stupid. Uh, in retrospect, but it took about three to four years before we realized like, holy cow, we are just spinning our wheels. All of the bills were paid. They were paid on time, but then we couldn't buy food and we couldn't pay for gas. So we were using a credit card to buy food and pay for gas and uh, just live. Really? And we realized, yeah, wow. at that point in time, it was 
you have car payments, you have a house payment. We took a $900 a month pay cut in the course of three months because my heart was not in my work at the time. And so I needed to do something different, which is what led me to meet Cardo Cast, ironically. And it did take about four years before we realized, okay, this circle is, or this cycle of toilet bowl is what I called it, is we were just, we were about to go down. And so we started making the changes we needed to make and crawling ourselves out of that hole. So let me ask you about those changes because um, I've been a part of conversations with quite a few people who realize they're in a hole and they're looking up and they're going, oh no, this is bad. I'm in a hole. Um, Where did you look for help? Uh, Yeah. Let me just ask that question. Where did you look for help? I mean, so I learned very early on in my life that you need people in your life and you need support. My childhood, the only way to explain it, it was traumatic. My parents were alcoholics. We lived in a party house and we are talking. I am the second to the youngest of five children. My parents were foster parents and had other kids in and out of our home all the time. And My father handled stress with anger. My mother handled stress by working. And when they weren't stressed, they were drinking, which in turn led to stress. (laughs) And um, I learned at a very young age that in order to be better than that and not fall into that, you had to look outward. And so I connected with my grandparents who were a huge, huge part of my life growing up. I connected with family friends who at the time partied with my parents, but ended up kind of breaking away from that scene as they grew older. And I really looked to outside sources as a pivotal point for me in understanding that I needed to do something different. And so I looked for mentors. I looked for other people who were successful or doing what I wanted to do one day. And I did my best to mimic them or bring them in my life and my circle knowing that I wanted to be different. So when we were in this spiral at, you know, 23, 24 years old, we looked outward. And so we said, okay, we've got to find help in this in some manner, some facet. And what does that mean? And what does that look like? And all too often people think I've got to keep this secret. I've got to keep this to myself. I can't let anybody know what's going on. I got to keep up with the Joneses, whatever it might be. And for us, we knew that in order to get out of that, we had to change our thinking and look outwardly for that help. And it sounds like you figured that out pretty young. I mean, you said it took four years, but you still would have been you know, early, mid-20s at that point. So when, when you're dealing with people helping them out with their finances, where do people tend to get in their own way the most? What, what are just like the common things you see time after time? When it comes to finances, the most common thing I see is trying to have everything trying to have the biggest house, the best car, trying to, all right, we're going to eat organic and I'm going to buy only organic cotton-based clothing and I'm going to do all of these things that get really expensive in some manner and we can't let other people know that we can't afford this vacation so we're going to put it on a credit card and go on it anyway and we're going to take out debt to open a business that really my heart's not in but I'm going to do it because that's what I'm supposed to do. And that, I think, is where people get in the way the most, is that they're trying to match what society says they should be instead of where they want to be. Well, so it's interesting to me because what you mentioned, 
none of them in and of themselves, you know, so upgrading on a house, great. You can do that. Upgrading a car, you can do that. You know, buying organic, what, what, whatever. So, but what I'm hearing you say is that it's like the combination of all that. It's not prioritizing. It's just, well, I want everything at that next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then not knowing how to do it. Right. Mm. So pe- people don't know how to manage their money. They don't know, Hey, I can upgrade my house, but what does that mean I need to do first? Should I pay off this car loan first before I go into that? Should I just continue to rack up debt because that's okay and that's what we're supposed to do? I want to be wealthy. Does that mean I should be investing right now at the detriment of not saving any money for an emergency today? There's all kinds of things that get in people's way because they don't know. And it's that lack of education. So this combination of everything kind of really falls into place. So if I've been keeping up with my Instagram feed, you know, I'm, I'm living a good American life here. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm the, I'm the average person. I've made these mistakes. What's my first step? How, how do I start uh, digging out? Well, I'm going to direct you to the seven baby steps, which were implemented and created by the amazing Dave Ramsey. And it's going to be first really deciding that this is what you want to do and understanding that you're going to do whatever it takes and it's going to be hard. You're not going to like it. You're going to get pissed off in the process, but you're willing to do whatever it takes to get yourself into a better place and to become financially fit. And so baby step number one is to have a thousand dollars in an emergency fund. And that's not a fully funded emergency fund, but it's just to handle what could be in front of you because 70 Three percent of Americans cannot afford a thousand dollar emergency. They're living paycheck to paycheck. They're not planning. They're not setting themselves up for success. And so I would tell you to start with baby step number one. And if you already have a thousand dollars in a savings account or emergency fund or greater than that, I'm going to tell you to go to baby step number two, which is pay off your debt as fast as possible. And like gazelle intense is what Dave says. And just All you're trying to do is run for your life as far away from creditors and debt as you possibly can. So working and doing everything you can to pay off your debt with except for your house as fast as possible, which means if you have more than a thousand dollars in an emergency fund, I'm going to recommend you take the difference of that thousand dollars and you put it toward that credit card or you pay off your car or you do whatever you need to do. If you're currently investing into your retirement, I'm going to suggest that you stop, stop investing right now. And you take that money and you put it towards your debt because the idea is nothing else matters. So if that means for six months, 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, you eat ramen noodles for dinner once a week. Well, then by all means, you're going to do it. If that means you go out, you know, only once or twice a month instead of four times a week, then that's a sacrifice you want to make in order to start that process and get debt free. Lots of people that have come to me for help. We've gotten through baby step number two. They've paid off their debt. And then we go on into fully funding an emergency fund. And once you get a fully funded three to six months of income into an emergency fund, then we get into the fun stuff, which is saving for retirement, paying off the house early, building wealth, saving for college if you have kids, all of those fun things that can be done all side by side. So it gets really exciting working with people who come to me. I I met with a a young kid and I say kid, he's 24 years old, 25 years old earlier 
this week and he has, you know, $30,000 in student loan debt, about, you know, $4,000 on credit cards. He's coming to me and he's like, I don't, I don't even know what to do. He doesn't have a budget. He doesn't know how to manage his money. He doesn't realize that he's not telling his money where to go. He's looking back at the end of the month, wondering where it went. And so that was a starting point for him. He could pay off his debt. He could get out of his student loans quickly. He just didn't know how. And so some of it, again, comes back to that education, knowing what to do to get through it. Well, how long does that normally take then? It depends. It depends on how diligent you are. It depends on what you're willing to sacrifice. So my husband and I went in to our uh, total money makeover about $55,000 in debt. That included some infertility treatment, so doctor's bills. We had um, some credit card debt. We had a small loan, $55,000 aside from our house. And it took us 24 months to pay off $55,000 in debt. And we did it all. Like whatever we had to do, we did it. So we ate mac and cheese with frozen chicken nuggets or cans of tuna, (laughs) probably more than I want to admit. We didn't go out. We took every dime that we could. We scoured through our house and found things that we weren't using and we sold them. We took every step that we could to try to fight our way through and pay off our debt. And that took about 24 months. And it's, it's about standard. The normal or on average, I think Dave says, um, on average, a couple or an individual can pay off anywhere from thirty to seventy-five thousand dollars in debt within eighteen to twenty-four months. And so, if you got one hundred and fifty thousand dollars worth of debt, you're probably looking at three, three, three and a half years. Yeah, you know, this is a really powerful discussion. And I, you know, what's interesting, Brock, is I wasn't planning to go down this path. I, I you know, Ashley is this tremendously talented business executive. I'm thinking we're going to talk about business and strategy. She's an amazing coach to her team. I'm thinking we're going to go down that path. And here we are talking about like, we could do that too. <laughs> I know we're talking about the, like the primal, the, 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 you know, this kind of at this primal level, but it's so personal and it's real. So I, I remember I was in Michigan probably four years ago and I was listening to a book on tape or actually I was listening to a course from Mind Valley, and I listened to T. Harv Eker talk about the spirituality of money. And for some reason, I mean, I've read, you know, Dave Ramsey's books. I've read, um, you know, most recently Tony Robbins, like 9,000 page book on money. And for some reason, when I listened to, to Harv Eker talk about like spirituality and money, it just connected with me that, you know, that I, I was just thinking about money all wrong. Uh, I was one of those people who at, at in my early 20s just said, I don't need a budget. I'm going to make so much money. I don't need a budget. What's interesting, though, is you always find a way to spend what you make if you don't have a budget. Yep. And whether it's thousands or hundreds or millions, like, you know, the, the, you may add a zero to expense, but it's like you still, and, and it's, it's the mindset is what's really important. I love what you said a minute ago. We were willing to do whatever it took, eating rice and beans and, and whatever. Uh, Dave Ramsey talks about that a lot. And I love that analogy. Um, 
But Dan, to, to get to where you want to be. So, so Dan, you know, we, we talked to a lot of people who um, ha- are starting their own businesses, have side hustles. You know, they, they want to figure out something different for their lives, yeah. which is awesome. Yes. And yet, you know, Ashley, from what you're telling us. So, you know, if the average person is like $55,000 in debt, if I'm remembering that correctly, that's got to get in the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. If people don't have their finances in order, doing all of these things, that's still going to come up as a number one problem. You can be successful in business. You can be a successful entrepreneur. You can be successful in your family. But if you are not managing your money, that will continually get in the way. And and there's something really weird about how we think about money. Um, you know, if I needed more gas in my car, I wouldn't be perplexed about how to get it. I kind of know how to get it. You know, you go to a place, you give them, you know, some value, they give you gas in your gas, a gas tank. It's unreasonable for me to expect, especially if I'm a, like a startup, like, Hey, I'm going to drive my car across the country on one tank of gas. It's just not going to work. Like we mm-hmm. understand the same thing with water. I'm thirsty. What do I do? I don't know what to do. I'm thirsty. You go get water. You put it in your, in, in your face. That's what you do. And yeah, when it comes to money, we build it up to this thing of like, well, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. Um, have you, do you have a, a clear sense of like why we do this? Like why, how do we fall into these dangerous mindsets? I think that we fall into what we witness. And so how we, we talk about your family of origin in every aspect of your life, because that's really where we come from. Good, bad, or indifferent that's where we learn these things. So what we watched our parents do with their money, with work, with life, we mold the same or we choose to do different. And so if your parents didn't teach you about money growing up, and if us as parents aren't teaching our children about money as we're raising them, they're going to grow up following what society tells them to do or following what we showed them. Because I, you guys, parenting is 80% what is caught and 20% what is taught. My kid isn't listening to me and catching 80% of what I'm telling him. He's watching me and he's going to mimic what I do, whether it's good or it's bad. And so I think when we watched our parents win or lose with money, we're going to follow that same thing. And if we didn't (laughs) have an influence to watch, we're going to follow what society tells you to do. How many times do you turn on the TV and there's a commercial for oh, Discover, <laughs> Capital One, American Express, all of those things that are just shoving debt in your face. And that's what you do. You go and you buy a car, you get a car lease or you, you know, have to buy this grand house because I have one kid and I need 4,000 square feet of finished property. Like that's ridiculous to me. But that's what we're doing is we're, we're following what we've seen or what society is telling us to do. And, and I think there's something there, Ashley, that as we're looking around and, and yeah, I mean, you can tell me if this is off base or not, but, you know, we're comparing ourselves to everyone, but we're only seeing their highlights. We don't see their trade-offs. So, you know, neighbor A has a boat. Oh, well, we need to have a boat. And, you know, na- neighbor B, their, their car's a little nicer. So we got to upgrade our car. You know, neighbor C, yeah, they get all the organic food and the best clothes. So, you know, that's what we got to do. And, and so I guess I, I'm thinking is we're, we're seeing inputs we're copying everyone without understanding the trade-offs that they're making. Right. 
Uh, you know, Dave says it really well. He says we buy things we don't want with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. What's that? We buy things with money we or, okay, let's start over. She so gotta cut that out. <laughs> uh, we buy things with money we buy things with money we don't have. Let, hold on. We buy things we don't I, want with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Well, as long as they're impressed. I yes. mean, you know, that that's the important thing, right? <laughs> right? That's what yeah, it's I'm, about. This, yeah, this was such a dangerous mindset for me in my 20s when I was in D.C. And I realized that, you know, everyone was chasing, you know, someone would get a Jag, the latest Jag. And then someone like, oh, no, Mercedes is coming out with an E-Class. And I'd be like, wow, you guys are really rich. And and then I realized, wait a minute, you're making $250,000 a year and you're not just spending every penny of it. You're spent, you know, you've got, you know, you've refinanced your home three times and you're like, literally, when I say paycheck to paycheck, it's almost like you might as well be a minimum wage, you know, construction worker because your quality of life is horrible. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the tie back to the community, you know, if, you know, and, and Brock asks every single person this question about, you know, what's the dark side of being an entrepreneur? But, you know, the, 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 you know, there's a lot of people in this group who, who have ideas and they've even said, they've even shared some of them. Hey, how do I do this? Or I want to do this. Some people being coaches, some people launching their own little side business or side hustle, things like that. And um, they're looking for, you know, how do I make more money or, and, or how do I, you know, stop doing my day job to go do this other thing? It feels to me like figuring out this personal I, uh, mindset and practical, you know, budgeting around money is probably, you know, the single greatest obstacle. I, I can't think of another one bigger. Absolutely. At least right now. I mean, when you think about it, you could do anything. So I could leave my career right now and I could tell my boss, hey, it's been great, but I'm going to go do something myself. And I would be successful because I know how to manage my money because I'm set up and prepared to do that and be financially free. And I know that I'm going to do the work and do the hustle and do what it takes to make sure that I have a continued income generating revenue stream. Right. And so as an entrepreneur, somebody who's going into or wanting to start their own business or thinking about leaving their day job to go and spend more time um, in their business or their side hustle, they really have to make sure that their financial life is in order. You have to know not only where your personal money's at, but where your money for your business is. When I joined my company eight and a half years ago, it was such a free for all, right? There was a budget that went out, but there was no accountability for where the money went each month. It was up you could do whatever, right? And and people did. And I'm not saying that today that um, there isn't some of that still from some people in power within our organization, but it is controlled and there are limits and there's a budget that we look at and that we live by every month. And our staff knows where the expenses are coming in because we don't allow for fluctuations to some extent. I mean, you got to con- let the owners control some of that too. <laughs> I would rather them not, but that's between you and I. Um, <laughs> and, and the, yeah, and the interwebs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> go right. on, Ashley. Go on. 
so, you know, it was very important even in our business to get our finances in order and understand what that meant for our success. If we, because we don't own any trucks, we're in transportation. If we were at a point and we were where we were paying carriers at 45, 50, 60 days. And for some of those drivers, this is their livelihood. So they're out on the road 10 to 14 days, if not more, not seeing their family driving, but we're going to wait two months to pay them for that work that they did. That's ridiculous. And so even in Ashley, yeah, actually, sorry, I wanted to jump in there because you're hitting on something really important that I don't see talked about very much or enough. And that's just plain and simple cash flow. The, the idea that as an entrepreneur, as someone you know running a side gig or whatever, you can have a really bad, a really good year overall. But if the cash flow is lumpy, it ends up into being a very difficult year. Absolutely. And so you really have to plan and prepare and know where your money's at and where it's going and be smart with it. So if you are bringing in money and you're successful at collecting, then make sure you're spending it properly and that you understand, Hey, maybe I'm really busy during the spring and from April to June, I'm bringing in a lot of money. Well, if all of that is spent between July and August, where are you going to be come October? Will you be able to operate your business? Will you be able to be successful and make it through the winter without worrying about the cash flow? And all too often, businesses get into that cycle and, and you see it, right? At least for us, when we run credit checks on companies that we're willing to extend money to, we look at, hey, how do, how do they cycle? Where are their peaks and valleys? And are we willing to risk it through that time? Because I know that they may pay really well at, you know, 25, 30 days for nine months out of the year. But am I willing to wait 60 days or 75 days for the three months? Am I willing to do that? And so it's really important as a business to pay close attention to your cash flow and understand where your money's at, where it's going, and living within a budget. Making sure that if you're bringing on a new employee, that you have the financials to pay for at least one year worth of salary. And if you don't have that in the bank, then you probably shouldn't bring on that employee. Because what if something happens? There's all kinds of variables when it comes to business and money, but it all stems back to your education. Knowing what you need to do to be successful and then doing whatever it takes. Yeah, that's pretty important because I've noticed my mortgage company doesn't really accept the idea that I will have the money for them in 60 to 90 days. Right. <laughs> they they, 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 they kind of want it when they want it. Right. Um, well, before we, before we close today, so Dan, you had started off kind of mentioning that Ashley, um, you know, knows the CEO of, of Walmart. And this is true. it sounds like there's a little bit of a story there, Ashley, because you mentioned kind of when life was getting tough is what ended up leading to getting to know, get, getting to know him. And yeah, I'm just curious. Cause you know, you always hear that, you know, the, the best way to up your own game is to surround yourselves with people who are operating at a higher level. Um, so what can you tell us about that? Dan, what questions did you have for Ashley about that? Well, yeah, tell us the story to tell, tell everyone, uh, Ashley, you've told me the story, but to tell, tell, tell our listeners your story about how you, you know, became really, really good friends with the CEO of walmart.com. Yeah. So I know Carter because I used to fold his underwear. 
And I paused. <laughs> I paused. I, I feel like there's more. <laughs> there that's is. A, there is. That needs to be like your LinkedIn. That needs to be. I feel like that's the one-liner <laughs> on your LinkedIn profile. <laughs> right. So I was uh, working at a asset-based company, so a transportation company here in Omaha, and it, my heart was not in it at the time, and doing that was not good. I, my husband and I had been trying to conceive for a few years unsuccessfully, and. I knew that I needed to raise a child and I needed to step out of business, whatever that meant, and take care of babies. And so I sought out to become a nanny. And I was like, hey, I'm good with kids. I've got some good references. I'm just going to try this. And if that means taking a pay cut, well, then I'll, by all means, this, this hole in my heart needs filled. And so I applied to be a nanny and met Carter and his wife, Allison who were in Omaha. He was not the CEO of walmart.com at that time. He was the CEO of hayneedle.com. And I went and met them and their son was six weeks old when I met them for the first time. And we sat in this interview for me to be their nanny. And he asked me more questions about my experience working for McDonald's for the years that I did. And um, I was a very young store manager with McDonald's as well. And so he had a lot of questions business related, not so much about what I could do for his his kiddo. And we ended up connecting and they invited me into their home to be their, to be their nanny. And so I started with them two weeks later. Glenn was eight weeks old and I don't do anything lightly. So my job as a nanny was to take care of the child. And I did that. And I think very well. A great bond with them, but I did everything. You know, I, I took care of their house. I took care of the laundry. I cooked them meals. I did everything and anything that I knew that they needed that support of. And so we got very close and we spent, I was with them for only 18 months because, again, there's a challenge that I was missing. And during the time that I was with them, our son came into our care. He was placed with us when he was two days old in foster placement. And so I, I was a mom. And so I was with them till, for about 18 months and then went back to business, which is when I came into my current role with the logistics company. So we became very close within those 18 months. And I've been able to utilize his knowledge and his friendship just in my own personal growth and development. He would come home at the end of the day and I'd be like, okay, what's going on? And we'd sit and we'd talk about what's going on at, at Hayneedle and we're rebranding and we're doing this. And I got to kind of be a part of that as a fly on the wall. And his wife, Allison, one of my closest friends today, an amazing, amazing woman. Um, she's an attorney and she was an attorney for the uh, Nebraska Supreme Court. And so, you know, got to learn a little bit of the law side of things, just talking with them and developing that relationship. So today, let's see, it is Glenn just turned 10. So it's been 10 years since I've known them and we're still connected and I still see them a few times a year and we travel to visit and Carter is amazing. He's a professor at the Kellogg School of Business and he's a venture capitalist in Chicago and I rely on his friendship heavily just in my own personal development. And so I was very blessed and very fortunate to have been able to make that connection and utilize his knowledge and his friendship today. So rather than spending two years and a hundred grand or whatever to get an MBA <laughs> in 18 months, be a nanny, hold some underwear. 
Um, Whatever it takes, bro. And, and I say that. <laughs> I say that facetiously, but there, there's something really important there, you know, about the people you know, and just building on that. Um, I, I think that's kind of an amazing story. Yeah. That, that's really cool. And Brock, I, you know, I, I interviewed Carter, and um, it's, 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 it's that, that video is floating around the interwebs somewhere. Um, and you know you you do the do the you know small talk before and after and you know what a genuinely nice person who we've talked a couple times since he is like mm -hmm. it's not an act he is no. genuinely a huge fan of ashley like genuinely Aww. loves her to has he's like uh she's gonna be a, a titan she knows all the you know she knows she's really smart and you know, haven't seen the best i mean he what a what an awesome person and you're right, Brock. You got into his orbit just because you said, I have to make a hard decision to leave a job that's paying me great money. I'm not happy. And put yourself in the way, in the flow of the universe to bring you that. I just, so remarkable. So remarkable. Well, thanks. I mean, I didn't do much but fold underwear and change diapers, but... I'm not convinced of that, Ashley. Uh, not, not, not at all. Um, well, you, you know, what, one of the things that we're, we're always curious about is, um, I mean, we, we, we could talk forever here, but obviously you are very interested in helping people. You know, you, you've got two businesses going that you bring the core of helping people to them. And one of our questions for everyone is always, how can they help you? So we, we've got, you know, all the listeners out there, all the people in the community. What would your ask be of them? So what I would ask of the community is to not let me settle. So I heard myself say something on a call with Dan actually a few months ago about some turmoil that I was in and a decision I needed to make or was looking to make. And, and I heard myself say, well, I've already done this. Do I really want to do it again? Do I really want to go sell again? Do I really want to want to have to go through knocking on doors? I've already done that. And I sat back and I think I stewed on that. It maybe was a fleeting thought in Dan's mind, but I stewed on that for like three weeks. <laughs> and I was like, wow, like, is that really where I've gotten that I don't want to do the hard stuff again, if that's what it means for my success. And so I ask of the empire and of the community to not let me settle and not hold me accountable to be great, even if that means doing the hard stuff all over again. So if you see me faltering or you don't see me active, like force me to do that. Ask me where I'm at. Ask me what I'm doing. Make sure I buy my plane ticket to Awesome Palooza. Yeah all of those things that are going to catapult me to the next level. Because if I don't have somebody looking at me, telling me not to settle, then hearing myself say that I heard myself say, I'm okay with this. And I wasn't okay. You, you have bought your plane. Yes. Ticket, right. You are I have bought there. my plane ticket. <laughs> my hotel is booked. We are coming. That's great. That's great. Well, we can't, we can't wait to have you. I, I really appreciate this time this morning. You know, what's great about these interviews is I know awesome people and I'm like, let's talk and let's put it on a podcast. And my buddy Brock is, 
going to join us because he's better at this interview stuff than I am. And so it's really, it's really fun. And then I get on the, you know, the phone or the microphone with people like you. And it's like, I wasn't expecting you to go down this path, but the dots connect in really awesome ways. This finance thing. Um, there are many of you listening who this is a weak spot and Ashley's in our community and she's one of those people that you just, you have to message or text and say, I, I need to change. I want to change. Can you help me? Uh, wow. What an amazing opportunity for all of us. So Ashley, thank you for joining us today. What a wonderful experience. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me guys. It's been great. And I can't wait to see what else comes out of the empire. All of these awesome people. <laughs>